7 to 8 p.m. Sport on with Tabiso Musia. Thank you. Good evening. Welcome to the show. I am uh, Tabiso Musia. Luyolom Kalip is the producer, and Babalom Duma is in technical with us this evening. It's coming home. It's coming home. Football's coming home. Can you believe it? England are in the semi-final of a World Cup. And boy, are they letting us know. So in a few minutes, we'll go over to London. Jealous down, as we say here in South Africa. We're going to go over to London to get reaction after this unfancied team reached the last four of the FIFA World Cup. And they are now two wins away from glory. So what's worked for them? And what are those non-believers back in England now saying now that the team has gone this far? And tonight, we'll also speak to former SAFA CEO, Mr. Raymond Hare who is now the chairman of the FIFA Player Status Committee. This is the committee that was ordered by Judge Dennis Fisher to deal with the Tendai Ndoro eligibility matter. And our very own Mr. Raymond Heck turns out to be the chairman. So he'll explain to us so that we can get a better understanding of what this committee is all about and... Um, just uh, why they'd initially declined to take over this saga. Remember, it was initially referred to FIFA and then it was brought back uh, to South African authorities. So if you have any questions, please feel free to join the conversation at any time. And Mr. Heck has just told me of air that he's just come back from Cairo where uh, they've banned 11 referees. So we'll also touch on that. But firstly, there's a statement that came in from It's coming to an end, and the statement reads, Mamelodi Sundowns is pleased to announce that the president of the club, Dr. Patrice Mutsepe, gave instructions to the management to finalize the deal with Brighton after Pesitao and his agent came to see him and apologized for disclosing confidential information to the media and for Pesitao not reporting for training. So there you have it. It looks like Sundowns have been waiting for an apology from Pesitao ever since he staged that stay away and not uh, and did not attend uh, training because he was trying to force a move away from the club. And it looks like now they are going to start talking now and finalize the deal according to the statement with Brighton. So let's see how that goes. And also Chiefs fans, Bobby Mutawung has also been talking today. Um, he's been talking about the search for a new coach. He spoke to uh, members of the media and um, did try and tweet some of what he had to say, but I'll try and read it for you uh, some some of what he had to say, but he's basically pleading for patience from the fans as the search for a new coach uh, continues, uh, Bobby Mutawung. And um, he basically says, we have to make sure whoever we appoint understands the pressure that comes with this job. It's got to be a mature person. We aren't just going to appoint anyone because we are under pressure. Unfortunately, most of the qualified coaches who are quality are not available. We'd rather be patient and appoint the right person at the right time. We're not going to make promises. We're not going to commit to any deadlines or success come to pressure pressure is there it's normal so there's the word from the football manager at kaiser chiefs mr bobby mutawong and first up though let's go over to wimbledon it is a big day for us uh, for south africa kevin anderson in a fourth round action against gail monfils and simon campus is standing by to tell us what is happening or what's happened in that match good evening simon over to you yeah, that's right. Well, Kevin Anderson made a very good start to this match with Gail Monfils. He took the first two sets, but Monfils, who's beaten Anderson in all five of their previous meetings, he has taken the third set, and they are on serve in the middle of the fourth. So still work to be done for Anderson, but he's in a good position so far, serving very, very well indeed. He will be hoping to join, well, Roger Federer, first of all, straight sets winner over Adrian Manorino of France. The first set, he only dropped five points. He was playing so well. 
It only took 16 minutes. Manorino came into the match after that, but no problems for Federer as he cruised through to the quarterfinals. Also through on the men's side, Kane Ishikori, he beat Ernest Gulbis, and John Isner, who beat Stefanos Tsitsipas. At the moment, we've got Juan Martín Del Potro on court, Novak Djokovic, to come after Kevin Anderson's match. On the women's side, Serena Williams, the big favourite now in the light of the fact that there are no none of the top 10 seeds left in the draw. Serena Williams beat Evgina Rodina, 6-2-6-2 from Russia. Serena into the last eight. And as I said, none of the top 10 left in, and that's because Carolina Pliskova was beaten by Kiki Burton. So big opportunity for all eight players remaining, but Serena the big, the big name in the field. Thank you, Simon Kemper. So as you can hear, the carnage continues there in the ladies' singles at the Wimbledon Championships. It's been an unbelievable uh, tournament so far with so many top seeds falling off and falling out of uh, the tournament. Meanwhile, how's this? Wimbledon Chiefs have insisted again that the men's final will start at its traditional time despite it clashing with the potential England World Cup triumph. The All-England club has come under pressure, increasing pressure to rethink its 2pm start time for Sunday's men's singles final with the football showpiece in Moscow set to kick off at 4pm in UK time. And should England beat Croatia in Wednesday's semi, then the national team will feature in a World Cup final for the first time since lifting the trophy in 1966. And the organizer have also announced that there is there are no plans to show the semi-final or Sunday's final on Wimbledon's giant TV screen attached to one of the sides of Court 1. And uh, Roger Federer was then asked his thoughts on the World Cup final coming up on Sunday, clashing with the men's singles finals. And uh, Federer was asked whether it would spoil the atmosphere if people sitting in centre court are looking at their phones uh, to follow the football. And his answer was quite amusing. Well, it's going to happen anyway, uh, regardless if I'm going to be in the finals or not. The Wimbledon final will take place, and, and so will the World Cup final. I'm more concerned that the World Cup final will have issues because of the Wimbledon final is going on, because they'll hear all every point, wow, oh my God, love 15, 15.30, and then the players are going to look up in the crowd and don't understand what's going on in Wimbledon. So, so that, that's how important Wimbledon is to me and to us over here. Um, Maybe you should ask the questions over in Russia, how they're going to feel about Wimbledon being played at the same time. Ha <laughs> ha, the great Roger Federer um, there. Up next, we'll, go, we'll speak to Paul Barber, SABC News and Sports, London a correspondent, because it's coming home. Hashtag SAFM Sport On. I think it's bad news for the English game. We're not creative enough, and we're not positive enough. It's coming home, it's coming home, it's coming, football's coming home. We'll go on getting back, it's on getting back, it's on getting back, it's on getting back. Okay, okay. Let's let's now go over to London to speak to SABC correspondent Paul Barber to get reaction because it is coming home. Paul, uh, good evening. I can't believe I just played that. It's been annoying me the whole weekend, but it's stuck in my head the whole weekend. <laughs> I mean, on average, how many times are you hearing this a day? 
<laughs> oh my goodness, to be so. I mean, until recently, I would have said that was such a blast from the past. That song, you know, it really reminds me of being 13 years old, you know, in high school. But it's just everywhere now. Everywhere you go, you hear it, you know, on the bus, you know, coming, driving home after that, uh, that amazing win against Colombia. It was just crowds blocking the streets singing it. And it's, people mean it now. I mean, it really feels like it. It's bizarre. And the, the sun has been shining for what feels like weeks. We're in the middle of this heat wave. And, you know, not long ago, the team, it was a, the team, the English team, that is, yeah. was a laughing stock. You know, yes. no one thought we'd even get through the knockout rounds, let alone the quarterfinals. I mean, it's it feels like something's happening. It does feel like it's coming home. <laughs> <laughs> we'll so, find out on Wednesday. <laughs> so, educate us quickly. Where does this song come from? When was it released? Who's even it's, singing the song? Okay, yeah, this is the Lightning Seed. This was released um, for the Euro '96 Championships, so back in oh. 1996. And it was a kind of similar story. We we got to the semi-finals, and there was this huge amount of expectation and hope that we were going to do it, that it was coming home. And that song just came to symbolise it that 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 joy in the three lines and that that unity we all have behind the team. Um, but you know, we came up against Germany in the semi-finals, yeah. penalty shootout, and we crashed out. We we didn't make it, and who was famous for missing one of those penalties Gareth Southgate who <laughs> isn't it irony it's just it's it's beautiful it's <laughs> and you can only imagine what is going through his mind you know this sort of sweet justice that yeah. um, he's managed to turn the team around and just the perceptions of the team the country is behind this this young squad and it's just it's just remarkable to turn around and you know we, we've got this political turmoil I don't know if you heard that the foreign secretary yes, just Boris resigned and, you know Brexit is in turmoil the country is divided but this it, this is just something that was unexpected but is extremely welcome so what's worked for this team in Russia Paul because you said before the tournament nobody gave them a chance no there's just uh, there's a sense that uh, well, I mean, Gareth Southgate himself had said, you know, in the qualifying stages in Malta, you know, there was a, there was so much ridicule against the team, certainly because of the Euros two years ago, you know, losing against Iceland. And uh, Gareth Southgate acknowledged there was a huge amount of work to do to bridge what he called bridge the gap. There was a disconnect between supporters and the teams. And he said the way, the first way, the main way we can get that back, that support from the country is through the football, is to play well and to have a new kind of professionalism, a new kind of discipline. And that is what we've seen. We've seen that on show. A real concentration on set pieces um, and a professionalism about about the training, about um, how everything is brought together. And it seems to really come from the top. This this manager is, is certainly inspirational and he seems to have found a way to develop the inner courage of this team. And it's a, it's a young squad, the average age of 26. And they're an extremely ethnically diverse team. You know, And he's described this as a team that represents England, modern England, as it is today. But he's instilled in them a sense of, um, of discipline, but also hope and optimism. And he said they can write their own stories. We don't need to be defined by the past. We don't need to be defined by a previous generation. And it seems to have worked. It's like a psychological trick. And we've just seen them perform very well. And they, they perform united. You know, they, they, they work together. They like each other. Is it true that West Coast are selling out because of Gareth Southgate? <laughs> I've heard they've heard they've gone up thirty five percent. Sales Ooh. sales have gone up thirty five percent of West Coast. 
And I, I bet that's true. I mean, it's it, it, it's it's a trademark waistcoat. It's kind of it looks cool. <laughs> it's quite sensible in the hot weather. So and I've seen quite a few, you know, mimickers in the crowds, and it. it I'm not at all surprised. And he's becoming, he's well on his way. Or I don't want to say, you know, say this too, too soon, uh-huh. but he's on his way to some sort of national hero status already. And, you know, <laughs> we'll have to see what happens on Wednesday. But, yeah, I mean, he, 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 he's fundamentally a decent man. He seems to, he's not at all arrogant and uh, has been cautious all the way and showing a huge amount of respect for um, England's opponents and ahead of the, the Sweden game saying, you know, we have a terrible record against Sweden. They're an excellent team. They're older. They're more mature. And, you know, he, he seems to have got to this point, the, the final eight, uh, sorry, forgive me, the final four, you know, to get to that point, you know, and it's it, 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 1990. That was the last time we reached the semi-finals in the World Cup in Italy. I remember that I was seven years old, and that's my first World Cup memory. And again, we, we crashed out at, at the semi-finals to West Germany. But uh, I still think if England loses to Belgium on Wednesday, uh, sorry, to Croatia, <laughs> I'm getting ahead of myself, but to, to Croatia on Wednesday, I, I still think something's changed. I think there's, there's no turning back now on this team anyway. I think there's a lot of love for them. And uh, they've earned it. You know, they've earned our respect. They've earned the country's respect. And Gareth Southgate certainly has proved himself. And the, the team, you know, a lot of, there was a lot of um, uh, reservations about them, whether we were good in defence and midfield, and whether our goalkeeper, Jordan Pickford, was even tall enough. Yeah. And he's more than proved himself. So I think even if we don't do it on Wednesday, it, it, it's pro- we've proved something to ourselves that we can reach this level. So I think it's, it's a new era. And uh, But hopefully we can go even further and i i don't even hope but on sunday if we can if we're facing france or belgium which we'll find out tomorrow who would be facing uh let's just see but we have a chance we can say that in all honesty now (laughs) we do have a chance which is something none of us thought we could say just a few weeks ago yeah for sure and and finally i mean what's happening with english football because even the junior teams are winning major international tournament now senior team has gone this far is there a revolution going on that side yeah, I think there's a uh, recognition. There's been a lot of investment and a lot of focus on the on the on the academies, on the young, younger academies, and a huge amount of um, effort put into into those. And that's what the results we're seeing from from the teams now and and in the England team. You know, very young uh, from across the country. You know, big representation from the north of England, from Yorkshire clubs, from you know five, I think it is, from Tottenham, from London. So I think. Yeah, it, 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 it is a huge change. It is certainly very, very encouraging. And, and it starts from a very young age. You know, that's what there is a recognition that they need to invest. So, yeah, long may that last. But it, it, I think it has been such a... Uh, there still have been a disconnect between the, the Premier League teams and, and, the, and, the, and the English side. That's what we're seeing changing now. Okay, great stuff. Paul Baba, it's a pleasure talking to you. Hopefully we'll chat again if you win it. We'll have to I bring you so. on. We'll have to. And we'll play the <laughs> full song. Me, so, yeah. Thanks. Yeah, take care. Thanks. Thanks, Paul. Keep well. And and, and if you don't know, England actually, uh, they won the Under-17 World Cup uh, in 2017. And they also won the Under-20 uh, World Cup. I think they beat Venezuela uh, 1-0 last year. So there is something that is happening there as far as English football is concerned. Love to hate them or hate to love them, but they're doing something right. Up next, we speak to Mr. Raymond Heck. At SAFM Radio and at Tabiso Musia on Twitter.
Okay, good evening. Welcome back. Let's get to our big conversation of the day. We've already started it with the former SAFA CEO, Mr. Raymond Heck, who is the chairperson of the FIFA Player Status Committee. Uh, that was ordered by Judge Dennis Fisher to deal with this tender Indoro saga. And that was before the PSL appealed the ruling of the judge. Uh, so we'll see how that one goes. But Mr. Heck is here with us just to make us understand how uh, this committee uh, works and exactly what his role entails. Mr. Heck, good evening and thank you for joining us. Thank you to be so nice to be here. Mr. Heck, before we get into why I called you here and why you were in Cairo, there's something I want to pick your brain on, something totally unrelated. We had a topic about it a couple of weeks ago. You've been involved in football. You've been a servant of, of, of the game, of our game for a long time. And we were asking the question the other day, why are there no white players in professional football in South Africa? Because back in the dark days of apartheid, I mean, football was the unifier. Players were mixing. They were playing uh, uh, with each other. Why is that the case? Are you able to put your finger to it? Well, I don't think it's a question of race. I think it it goes across the board. I think if if you go back to the days of Banklaklodi and um, uh, whether it be Asin Selengwe, Joe Mosana, uh, there was a, a passion. It was uh, football was like a religion. Now it's a religion for the fans. Mm-hmm. It's not a religion for the players. There are too many outside interests. Um, if you you go back to the season with Tongs, the Ace Maninis, uh, Computer Lamolos, uh, Teenage Ludlows, all those players in those days, uh, they came up through the ranks. Uh, there was no outside interest. There was no telev- massive television. Mm. There was no internet. Uh, kids who went to school, whether it be a private school or public school, played football. There's no football at the schools anymore. Uh, there's no compulsory educa- uh, compulsory physical education in the schools. So a kid uh, gets to the age of 15, 16, uh, he's got outside interests, uh, whether it be girls, whether it be computers, whether it be the telephone. You, you walk out, out the street yeah. and you show me one person not walking with a cell phone today. Yeah. Uh, it's That's crazy. True. Um, there are just too many outside interests. And I don't believe the players in this country have the desire or the passion uh, to make it as a footballer. I really don't. And I know a lot of them will, will talk about, they'll say, look at Percy Tao. So, okay, so you've got Percy Tao, that's one player. But let's see him make it at Brighton. Let's see him keep his position there. Let's see him stay there for two, three years and suffer the way Phil Masinga, Lucas Hredebi, yeah. uh, those players did. So for me, um, there's just too many outside interests. We don't have, in the old days, and I know you call it the, the apartheid yeah. years, you had uh, Southern Transvaal playing Natal interprovincial. Uh, if, if you go to uh, the, the regions at the moment, they don't have this regional tournament. Um, Parents want their kids to get an education first, which I accept and I understand. Uh, but I don't know. To me, there's no more desire for a, a South African. A big concern. Major concern. Because if you look at us, uh, show me a player that has made it overseas since Benny McCarthy, since Quinton Fortune, since Lucas Radebi, since Phil Masinga. You can't show me one. Mm. Uh, Stephen Pinar, yes, uh, but when the, pl- the last one that played in the top league, yeah, he's been but, there for years. But when the players called back to South Africa, he doesn't come back. He doesn't want to play. Uh, Serrero doesn't want to play. Why? Because he's not a regular player in wherever he's playing, whether it be in Ajax, whether it's in the UK. He's what I call a fringe player. Uh, if he loses he, his place 
and comes back to South Africa to play in a game against uh, Zimbabwe or whatever it is in the African Cup of Nations, uh, he gets paid X amount. Uh, the player earns 10 times that amount when he's in the UK. And if he's away from that team, he's scared he's going to lose his place. And then you, you've also got the situation here with our PSL, the, the Premier Soccer League, yeah. uh, where the owners want success immediately, which I understand and I accept it because as chairman of Wits University, I wanted the same. But what, what do you get? Uh, they get? They get foreign players. So the foreign player that you get is not the guy, is not the Victor Moses who's playing for Nigeria in the mm-hmm. first team. He's not the second player uh, who's playing in Nigeria for the Premier League team, uh, Heart of Oaks or wherever mm-hmm. he plays there. He's the third league player. So he's the player who's past his prime, but he comes out here and the owner sees this player and says, OK, I'm playing that player. And now you've got a 16 or 17-year-old who's sitting on the bench uh, and he's not getting a game. Because the owner doesn't want to take a chance by putting on the youngster, mm. uh, so he keeps the older international player on. The youngster sits on the bench, and after about six weeks, he says, well, you know, what am I wasting my time for? Because I'm not going to, to go anywhere. Mm. Uh, he gives up the game. Yeah. And we're losing those players. And, and that's, that's a concern. Food for thought right there from Mr. Raymond Heck. And that owner can play five foreigners. Uh, if they're naturalized, they can even play more than five, which I, I guess also affects the chances of the younger players, like you were saying, Mr. Heck. I think we're going to bring you again for this conversation. <laughs> Let's get back I'll to... just cause trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get back to why we called you here. Uh, you were telling me you just got back from Cairo. It was a big story yesterday. It was covered on SAFM. Also this morning I had on Sunrise with Stephen Cortes where 11 referees uh, were banned. And... Um, how do you feel after uh, after that? Do you pump your fists, or are you are you hacked that um, that these referees have been caught up in this? Oh, no, look look for me. Once uh, a referee crosses that ethical line, there's no question whatsoever. Uh, I'm not the most popular person in in the country's concerned with these referees, but the, you know I'm not there to be popular. Uh, the rules are the rules. Um, you don't go and accept cash. Uh, some of the stories we got is cash was offered to go and buy jerseys for people and things like that. Mm. Why does why do you go to a referee's room at 10 o'clock at night to say, I want to be your friend? You want to be my friend? You can be my friend at lunchtime, at breakfast. Come and talk to me. But you don't offer cash. And the minute the person accepts the cash, whether he gives it back or not, he's contravened the rules. We've got rules and regulations for a reason. And, you, you know, the fans deserve to be able to see a game where there's no uh, thought or perception that this game is rigged. Uh, You speak to a lot of the teams here and they'll say to you, you know, we went there but the referee wasn't fair or anything like this. Um, For me, VAR is probably the best thing that has been introduced because a referee is not going to be able to all of a sudden give this phantom penalty Uh uh, or or, or something to that effect. But... um, it it was sad. It really was. I mean, here we have a guy like this Malwaranga who was uh, appointed to represent Africa. You know, they always you speak to the Europeans and they say to Africa's behind, Africa's behind. We're not behind. But here you get somebody who is appointed to represent us at the World Cup. And what does he do? He goes and accepts a bribe of six thousand U.S. dollars. 
I mean, some of them that we banned accepted 200 US dollars. You put your career on the line for $200. It's not just you. It's your family. It's the people in your community. Uh, you now have country. to question, how many times has he done this? And, you know, uh, we got letters of apology and begging for forgiveness. And I said the only reason we got that is because of the fact that they got caught. They would never have apologized before. Had they come to us, like we had an incident, uh, we had a referee from Zimbabwe who um, was offered a bribe. He phoned us at CAF and said, what do we do? We said, take the money from this particular person and um, take it, make, take photocopies of the money, photostatic pictures. He did that. We said, give it back the money. He said, well, I've done that. Uh, we said to him, now just make sure you've given everything back because when you get to the airport, they're going to search you and they're going to say you did this and this. And he did it. And we were able to ban these people as well. And the quicker we're able to do this, the, the, the more pleasant our game is going to be and the more the public are going to support it because they're going to th- realize that it's not a crooked game. And, you know, our people are not... Bad people are crooked people. You can't you can't justify every single person and and hold them in a, on a higher level. But if you accept the responsibility of a referee, you must know that you have to obey the rules. You cannot accept cash from anybody to influence the, uh, a game. The, other, the referee you were talking about that was appointed for the World Cup is it the 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 investigation by the BBC? Is it one yes, of those referees? Yes, it all uh, all arises out of this investigation. Oh. It's a, a journalist in Ghana. Um, he went undercover. Uh, he had a camera a cameraman with him. Uh, he caught all these referees that we've had so far arise out of that. Um, because it's, it's evidence, it's video evidence of them accepting the cash, not giving the cash back, not reporting it. You know, if, if I accept that someone gave him the cash, yeah. what he should have done is, A, firstly, he should never, ever have let them into his room. He should never have accepted it. But if he did take it, then what he should have done is he should have notified CAF straight away that somebody attempted to bribe me. Here's the money I'm sending it to back to you uh, because I, I didn't take it or anything like that. Uh, but none of them did. Um, and we had uh, 11 referees. And we've got a further 13 referees that we will deal with on the 5th of August. So how does it work? Do you call them in or do you do your own investigations? No, do we c- do. The Secretariat does an investigation into it. And if we believe that there's uh, um, grounds for a hearing, we f- uh, have a formal disciplinary hearing. There are three members from who are on the disciplinary committee. Uh, we have a, a quasi-prosecutor who will come and present the evidence. We write to the accused or to the referee concerned or whoever the person is. We give them the opportunity to come to the hearing to rep- to put their side of the story. They can be represented if they want to. Uh, and if they don't come, then we have the authority to proceed on the papers before us and on the information. Now, out of these 11, five came to the hearing mm-hmm. they gave their side of the story um, unfortunately the story wasn't backed up by their counterparts in one instance it was a referee who had two assistant referees and a, a fourth official and their stories were totally different uh, from each other and they accepted they all accepted that they got the money yeah. but some of them say they got the money as a gift uh, because that's the culture in Africa <laughs> and it's not a bribe because of the fact that they never discussed a game but why would, you know, if I come to you and I'm sitting in the studio and says, here's uh, mm. 500 US dollars, uh, you're my friend. 
on what basis would you take it? So, yeah, but it's it's sad for football that, you know, we still at the stage where people are prepared to uh, cross the ethical line and give up their integrity as a result of this. So which role were you were you acting in in this in this matter? Uh, as chairman of the CAF disciplinary committee. Okay. And and with the experience from from being around the world working with FIFA and all of that is it a big problem in Africa is it a, is this refereeing thing a big problem around the world? It's a big problem in Africa because certain countries have this culture of gifts. Uh you know he has $200. Uh, but the FIFA rules and the CAF rules are very clear. You cannot accept cash in any form whatsoever. If I want to give you a gift, I'll give you a, 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 a wooden statue mm-hmm. or something like that or a piece of cloth. I'm not going to buy you a suit or, or clothing, uh, but something like that. But it's a culture and, and it's something that we've tried to get out as CAF uh, to our members that under no circumstances should you accept any gifts because the perception whether it's cash or not whether it's cash or not because it's a perception that's created i may not come to you today but mm. i may come to you in six weeks time or in a year's time to say remember, remember the gift i gave you uh, and then all of a sudden you feel obliged yeah i can hear you for those who've just joined us we're talking to mr raymond heck former safa ceo we've actually invited him to talk about his role with the fifa player status committee and we've just been talking about the other work uh, that he's been doing especially in cairo with the referees if you want to join the conversation feel free to call us on zero eight nine one one zero four two zero seven. our sms line 40938 whatsapp zero six one four one zero four one zero seven. hashtag safm spot on and we'll get into the uh, fifa player status committee after this break Let's have the conversation. 0891-104-207. Welcome. Okay, we're back with Mr. Raymond Heck. Now let's get into why we invited him here. Mr. Heck, firstly, a lot of people are not aware that you're the chairman of the FIFA Player Status Committee that Judge Dennis Fisher has referred the Tedai Ndoro matter back to the FIFA Player Status Committee. Firstly, when were you elected as chairman and how do you get elected to this role? Well, I was uh, asked to chair it in December last, uh, December 2016 by the new elected president, Gianni Infantino. Mm. Um, Previously, I was uh, and had been a member of the FIFA disciplinary committee for the last 12 years. Um, And they asked me if I would like a different challenge. And they then appointed me uh, to that position as the uh, chairman of the player status committee for a period of four years. So uh, it's a new challenge. It's very interesting. It's very different. Uh, The player status committee, if people don't know, is basically a committee which is established to ensure that the rules and regulations of all transfers are complied with. And it also deals with dispute resolutions. It also deals with um, disciplinary matters in the sense that uh, where a a club doesn't pay a player, uh, an agent doesn't get paid, a club doesn't get their transfer fee, there's no compensation. So all that is dealt with. It deals with transfers from one international body to another. players saying well you know i played for france in under 19 but i now want to go to i want to play in niger for example because that's where i was born so we deal with all those transfers there so does it put you in charge of every single transfer of every player worldwide plus any disputes yeah unfortunately it does <laughs> I've, I've been informed it's the first time that someone who doesn't sit on the executive has been appointed to such a position is that correct 
Uh, yes, in terms of the new regulations, because what, what they've said is you can't be an executive member because uh, you need to be independent uh, and you know not involved in a national association because your independency can be questioned. And, you know, I haven't been involved since uh, I resigned as SAFA uh, CEO in 2010 after the World Cup. Um, been there, done that, and uh, time to move on past my sale date <laughs> as the bi- CEO. <laughs> <laughs> Is it a big role for you? Because you've held some some, some some high positions. I mean, you were with WADA, uh, SASCOG, FIFA, um, I think Beijing, you were also there, local organizing committee. Where does this one rank? Yeah, look, this is the the most exciting in the sense that it's new and it's progressive and it's it's going forward, and it's it's a lot uh, to do. I mean, I have a department under me. I have in excess of fifty six lawyers working in the status committee uh, in Zurich, and uh, it's interesting because uh, you find a lot of. Uh, you ensure that uh, every transfer is in compliance. In other words, um, you know, there's a database. So it says that uh, you played for Ajax when you were 16 years of age. You moved your first transfer. This is what you were sold for. Uh, this is the compensation that you, uh, your club was paid for developing you. This is what your agent gets. Uh, so, you know, it, it also deals with the Football Stakeholders Committee, which determines... Uh, football around the world and, and the new rules and regulations. Um, I think we were instrumental in the VAR, uh, the VAR being mm. in, introduced, uh, and especially the people that uh, sit on the VAR, because as you know, with referees, uh, you have to retire at a certain age. Yeah. And we came up with the, the concept that uh, the people who should do the VAR must be the retired referees or those referees who are not... Um, didn't pass the fitness test because they were slightly overweight. So they've certainly got the knowledge. Um, And I think that's why VAR was such a success at the World Cup so far. On average now, how many cases do you deal with? Um, Thousands. Really? Thousands. I I must get uh, a minimum of probably between uh, 12 to 30 a day. Um, there are 24 uh, single judges who do it. What what we do is uh, it's done in FIFA. As I said, there are 56 yes. lawyers who work in the Players Status Committee. Uh, you deal with transfers from all over the world, international transfers. Um, you don't deal with a local transfer. Mm-hmm. You deal with problems in regard to, to the transfers if they're problems. Uh, so how many cases have have I done probably in the last year in excess of a thousand is is are you an in, are you independent like for example the PSL DC is independent to the PSL how does it work yes totally independent totally okay yeah. now this tender in Meta had gone to FIFA before the latest ruling why then did, did it come back to South Africa well FIFA's attitude is if you have your own rules and regulations then you are only bound you are bound to deal with it FIFA will only deal with it if the rules and regulations are unclear. But SAFA have a a constitution. PSL have a constitution. PSL referred it to their dispute resolution. They referred it to uh, the SAFA appeal board. Various things happened there. And on that basis, they then decided to go to FIFA to ask for a ruling. And FIFA returned it to them to say, we can't make a ruling at this stage because you have your own rules. 
Uh, we can't turn around to you and say your rules are wrong or your rules are right. You have to make a decision on it. Um, Was it you that sent it back? Did it fall on your desk? It didn't come to my desk. Okay. It goes to my head of administration. It'll only come to my desk if I'm asked to sit as a single judge oh. on it. So it wasn't a single judge. It was an administrative decision to refer it back. Had it come from any other country, the same thing would have applied because that particular country has their own rules and regulations. Now, are you surprised then by the latest ruling from the judge who says that it must go back to FIFA because it involves an international team or a team from outside South Africa and only FIFA has the jurisdiction? Well, FIFA has the jurisdiction to determine it. What happened here is Andorra is alleged to have played for three different teams or to be registered. FIFA would turn around and say, yes, the player can be registered, but he cannot participate because he's already played for uh, three Oh, this would be his third yeah. uh, regular uh, third team that he would play for. I think maybe uh, the matter, in hindsight, when when I hear it, because I, you know, we weren't party to it, uh, maybe it shouldn't have been referred to the, the dispute resolution right in the beginning. Uh, maybe the clubs uh, should have read the rules and regulations in the beginning. But again, you know, as we said earlier when we were talking about it, club owners want. Uh, results straight away. So it's a question of uh, I'll register the player, I'll play him, and if anybody objects, I'll worry about it then. You know, it's the same way as uh, we went and celebrated when we drew a game. Uh, we didn't re- read the rules. Not I mean, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. We have a tendency to do those type of things. So now, if it comes back to you, the PSL has appealed, if it goes to the FIFA Player Status Committee, are you saying you'll send it back to the South African authorities because they must deal with it? No, well, they, okay, it's slightly different because there's a ruling from a judge. Okay. okay. But on the other hand, FIFA say that you can't go to court. Yes. Okay. So it's it's going to be tricky. Um, I won't be involved in it in any way whatsoever. It'll be up to my administration to make a determination. Um my personal opinion, um, I think they will say that the player was entitled to be registered and maybe he wasn't entitled to, to play in the games. Then the PSL will have to, their disciplinary should have made a, a ruling on it in the first place because it wasn't a question that the player was um, played overseas. It was a question, is, did the player comply with the rules and regulations of registration? The answer was yes. He was properly registered. Was he eligible to play? Uh, that's where the debate comes in. Well, it seems clear to all of us that according to the rules, he wasn't supposed to play, but he can be registered, like you're saying. Correct. So, again, it's a question of, uh, you know, why did the owners go and play him at, at that time? Uh, why did the PSL allow him to be played? Uh, your rules sh- shouldn't allow a, a gap a l- like this. Are you staying out of it because it's closer to home? When you no, said that you wouldn't be involved or you do that with any other case? No, I would do that. Uh, it would. The cases that come to me personally is when it is referred to me in my capacity as a single judge. Okay. So I have to make a determination whether it comes from Russia, Kenya, Nigeria, um, Ukraine. It doesn't matter. Uh, but obviously... Uh, to ensure that there can be no perception of bias. If it was referred to me, I I wouldn't deal with it. I would refer it back to them and ask that one of the other judges um, be asked to deal with it. I was going to ask you, but you've answered this, if it should have gone this far, but I think you've you've, you've answered that already. Now I'm interested to find out, have any of the local authorities consulted with you, whether it's IX, whether it's the other clubs involved, whether it's somebody else, have they consulted with you? No, no. Oh, are they allowed to? Um, 
I would say they could ask for my opinion off the record yeah. and not in my capacity as well, chairman I mean, of yeah. the player status committee. But no, uh, you know, they have their own advisors and presumably they would go there. Okay, that's interesting, because when we found out you were the chairman, we thought there's no other person to speak to. Uh, if you've just joined us, we're talking to Mr. Raymond Heck, just trying to understand his role and how the Players Status Committee works. If you want to join the conversation at any time, feel free to call us, 0891104207, SMS40938, WhatsApp 0614104107, hashtag SAFM Sport On. I see there are some tweets coming in. I'll read them after this break. <laughs> Call Tabiso now. 0891-104-207. Okay, I've got a, I've got some tweets coming through here. There's a question here, Mr. Heck. Somebody wants to know should 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 shouldn't we have an advisor at PSL to help clubs understand such rules, make them aware? Is it whose responsibility is, is, it, is it to to know the rules? Because the chairman said that they registered the player, but it's not their responsibility to let Ike know that you can't play him. No, it's, it's the club's responsibility. Clubs clubs agree to be bound by the rules and regulations of the association, the PSL. So you would assume that they would at least read the rules and regulations. You know, I come back to our famous situation with Bafana Bafana. Yes. We don't read the rules. Uh, we know if, if we draw a game, we can't win. We can't qualify. And yet we celebrate that we've qualified. It's exactly the same. You know, if if I ask you to go and do something uh, in terms of it, you read the rules. When you go to school, you learn for your exam. Yeah, it's exactly the same thing. Uh, whether it be doping, whether it be the regulations. How many chairmen have actually read the rules? What do you appoint a manager for? You appoint mm-hmm. them to tell you what the rules say. When you put those 11 players on the field, you have to be satisfied as the coach that all 11 are eligible. It's the same as bookings. You get a a yellow card and you go and play next week when you know you've already had four yellows or three yellows and you're ineligible. And then afterwards you say, gee, I'm sorry. doesn't help. Another question coming in says that uh, the PSL DRC had cleared Ikes of any wrongdoing in this Tendai Noro matter. How much weight does this verdict carry, and how does the PSL DRC, how does the PSL appeal the DRC's uh, verdict? Well, again, it's a question of did whoever sat on this matter, did he? Uh, was he fully aware of all the instances? Uh, what did the DRC deal with? Did they deal with the protest or the, did they deal with the registration? If they dealt with the protest, then they would have said, is the player properly registered? Okay, what does registered mean? means his information given to the PSL is correct, not whether he's eligible to play. Mm-hmm. DRC can't determine whether the person is eligible. They can determine his registration. So, yes, the DRC said he was eligible to play, and everyone interpreted that uh, this means that he, w- he was entitled to play. Okay, somebody, Bongani, says, thanks for all this clarification. I've always had it all wrong, this Ndora issue, hence my support for Ajax. I didn't know registering doesn't automatically mean you can use a player. So that one is very clear. Uh, the other one says, um, is FIFA not running away from responsibility by sending it back to South African authorities? No, I don't think FIFA is, because why do national associations have rules and regulations? FIFA will only deal with it if there's, a, an, uh, if there's no provision in their own rules and regulations. 
FIFA's rules and regulations are clear. The player is entitled to be registered, but you cannot play for more than three clubs in one season. So it's up to the uh, association whose player is in dispute to decide is that has that player been properly registered? Yes. Is he eligible to play for three clubs in one season? The answer is no. Okay, let's go to Rofiwa in Lipopo. Rofiwa, good evening. Thank you for calling us. What's your comment, question? Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you, Rofiwa. Yes, so my question is, um, for Mr. Hack, uh, is there a possibility uh, for black leopards not to play in the PSL? If the verdict that uh, FIFA took maybe stand, or if the player status committee from FIFA uh, says that uh, it was not fair for Okay, okay. I think it's clear. He's looking after his own interest in Limpopo. Black Leopards won the promotion. <laughs> they're promoted. They're preparing. Is there a possibility that they can be removed? I suppose the possibility does exist because you must remember what happened is Ajax were, f- were uh, fined X amount of points yep. for failing to play. As a result of those points being removed, they were then relegated. Therefore, the teams moved up in the playoff. Uh, the playoffs, uh, as a result of that, Le- Leopards won it fairly and squarely, um, and they should be entitled to play. But again, it depends. You've got to go back to the initial decision. If your initial decision is wrong, then you have to rectify it. What has happened since then uh, would then fall in line. So it's a very difficult question to to answer, but yes, leopards uh, qualified because they won the playoffs as they were uh, were established at that stage. But were they established correctly? Because if it's found that they weren't established correctly, because Ajax weren't supposed to be docked the points, then it throws a whole spanner in the works. And then can they appeal? Well, I suppose you can if the rules provide for that. (laughs) The other question is, um, if this matter had gone directly to the FIFA Player Status Committee without the PSL appealing, how long would it it have taken considering that the league is starting in less than a month or should start in less than a month? Well, it's not a question of how long. We we like to say that we deal with all matters uh, at the FIFA Player Status Committee within a period of 90 days. In other words, uh, it's 30 days to investigate the matter, 30 days to uh, call the parties to try and resolve it, and 30 days for a hearing. Uh, Normally, it can be anywhere between 7 and 15 days, depending on the matter. Okay, let let me take a quick one from Erastas in Whitbank. Quick one, Erastas. Thank you very much. There is no way Black Leopard cannot play in the PSL. The the decision was made that the players should continue to be another huge court battle all PSL can do if they have a problem, they start with more teams. Thank you very much. Okay, the Black Leopards fans are calling us. Good to hear, to know that they 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 are listening to us. So, do you expect it to come back to you after this appeal? Are you are you now following it? Are you watching it as the FIFA Player Status Committee? No, not at all. We can only deal with matters if it's referred to us. Uh, until till we physically get something in writing, we can't deal with it on the basis that we believe the judge said this or we believe it. Um, you know, and un- until it, it comes before the status committee, uh, we don't deal with it. Finally, it's a yes or no answer. Are you aware of a case involving Kaiser Chiefs and a player from Madagascar? Uh, at this stage, you mean as the player, as, status, as the player committee. status committee? Yes. At this stage, no. Okay, at this stage, no. And uh, the last comment on Twitter, someone saying thank you very much for bringing Mr. Uh, Raymond Heck to the studio. I, I think it's pretty clear we just 
clearly don't read through the guidelines at our disposal. And somebody saying, listening to Mr. Raymond Heck, this case doesn't look good for Ajax when it finally uh, goes to FIFA. And, and uh, Poloba says, Mr. Heck, you've made this very clear. Thank you. It's been months of people talking about it, but I think now I understand. And uh, Mr. Heck, yeah, that's all the time that we have. <laughs> Thank you very much for coming in Any and pleasure. just helping us understand what is going on here and, and what your role is and the work that you're doing. Really appreciate it. I think you have a lot more conversations in you that will invite you on the show just to talk about, especially the past uh, of the history of South African football. I think we can really pick your brain with that one. Thank you, and thank you for the listeners for listening in to us. Thank you, Mr. Raymond Heck. Uh, people want to know, are you going to get involved with PSL? Don't you want to be a PSL administrator administrator again in South African football? No, no, no. <laughs> my time, my sailboat date is gone there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm at FIFA, and I'm at CAF, and I'm very happy there. Okay, thank you, Mr. Raymond Heck. And that's it. Thank you, Loyolo. Thank you to Baba Loa. Uh, thank you to um, everybody that was listening and contributed. If you have any suggestions, feel free to email uh, sport at SAFM. There'll be more sport in the morning on Sunrise with Stephen Hrotes. And uh, Zai Khan, of course, is up there in the mornings uh, with uh, Stephen Hrotes there. Up next, it is Mr. Ashraf Gada with The Viewpoint. But let's go to news first.